Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show. We'll have Coach Scott Spinelli joining us in a matter of minutes. My man DeMond is efforting him right now. Got a couple text messages on the dobebroke.com text line that I wanted to get to. D&Q, like the Dairy Queen. Your guys' thoughts on Will Levis, quarterback from Kentucky. Haven't heard you talk much about him. And uh, we will get to conversation about Will Levis. Matter of fact, we'll make sure we start off the next segment talking about Will Levis because I haven't talked a lot about him. Coming out of the combine, I ranked the quarterbacks as such. C.J. Stroud, one. Bryce Young, two. Anthony Richardson, three. And Will Levis, four. But we'll get into conversation and really break it down. Will Levis is a guy that gets a lot of folks fired up, but we'll do our best not to get fired up. We'll just talk about him and break it down. We'll do that after we talk to Coach Scott Spinelli, who joins us now on the phone lines from the Believe Podcast Network, basketball analyst. And, Coach, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. And it was about this time last year where we were talking as we were getting closer and closer to March Madness. Got a conference tournament cha- uh, championships going on right now and uh, leading up to Selection Sunday. And when it comes to conference tournaments, how much do they – I mean, well, I guess they differ for every team because teams are playing for different reasons, but how important are these tournaments leading up to the big tournament? Well, it, it all depends. I think on a case-to-case basis, right? I mean, some teams are going into these conference tournaments and they're thinking this is our opportunity. This is the opportunity that we've been waiting for. It's a new season. We have a chance to get some quality wins or in some of these single-bid leagues, it's our chance to win the conference tournament. No matter what's gone on during the, the regular season, this is our chance to go in and try to get a bid or steal a bid by winning the conference tournament. So for some teams, the stakes are very high. Other teams are in this. They know they're in the NCAA tournament. You know, their seeding, uh, you know, maybe could go up one or two spots depending upon, um, you know, how they do in the tournament. But I'm not sure as, in terms of the motivation that those teams have uh, that these other ones do have in terms of the bid size stealing a bid, and, or a one seed, right? Somebody that could win the conference tournament and get that, you know, coveted one seed. So they all differ, I think, case to case. How crazy is it that North Carolina was playing for a championship last season and was a few minutes away from winning a championship? Now they're on the outside looking in. I mean, how, how far and what does North Carolina have to do in the ACC tournament coming up to get into the tournament uh, later on in March? Well, look, they're going to have to make a run here in the ACC tournament, but you know, the one thing that really stands out about this year's Carolina team, I mean, look, you know, these are kids, right? These are kids that had huge expectations coming into the season. Last year, if you remember right, they beat uh, Duke that last home game Coach K had. They got mm-hmm. some momentum. They got some confidence. Um, and they went on a run. Um, and I think this year, uh, again, with those expectations, uh, they, they miss, you know, Manic a lot, especially his three-point shooting. Um, but remember, you know, confidence is such a – important part of all sports, right? And I think right now, Carolina um, was shook this year somewhat. But again, they're coming into a new season. This ACC tournament, it's a brand new season. I look for Carolina to turn it on here in the ACC tournament. I think they're going to put it together here. We're going to see the Carolina team that we expected. I'm not sure they're going to have to win it or get to the finals, but they're certainly going to have to win multiple games if they're going to try to get in 
to the NCAA tournament. Talking right now with Coach Scott Spinelli, former basketball head coach and obviously basketball analyst right now with the Believe Podcast Network here on Red Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. The Big 12 has shown that it's the best college basketball That's conference right. this That's season. That's right. Represent, baby. <laughs> so with the Big 12 and all of the great teams they have inside of that top 25, do you think that we'll see multiple teams? I think that Kansas is going to get a one seed, but multiple teams, no matter how the conference tournament shakes out, get those higher seeds when it comes to the NCAA dance. I mean, multiple two seeds is the question I'm asking. I think that's a great point. Uh, I think that, I agree with you. I think their league is the toughest league, t- top to bottom, this year uh, in, in in men's basketball, in college basketball. Um, and there are so many teams right now that are, you know, they've beaten up on one another all year. Um, the one thing about I, look, I coached in the Big Twelve. You know, I, I was at A and M when they were in the Big Twelve, Nebraska, et cetera. Those venues on the road. Um, are really tough to play at. And I think, again, you know, no matter how good you are um, as a team, I mean, you're going to suffer some losses there just because of the most difficult places to play on the road, I think, exist for the, from top to bottom in the Big 12. But with that said, I, I do think there's teams here that could get multiple, you know, like you said, top four seeds. I think you've got a few teams here. Um, you, know, you know, Kansas, I think, is a one seed. I love Kansas' team this year. You look at Jalen Wilson. I mean, he declared for the draft his first two years. He comes back his junior year. Now he's Big 12 Player of the Year. Um, you know, he's they've got guys in this roster who have won national titles, meaning last year, repeating. Um, so they're a team that's going to be reckoned with here, not only come the Big 12 tournament, but when in the NCAA. And I think they're going to get a one seed. Texas got a chance to make a case here. Uh, you know, Coach Terry's done a really good job on an interim basis. Um, uh, you got you know. Look at the job that Coach Tang's done at Kansas mm-hmm. State. Um, he's put together a real good team with some transfers, and they've blended. They could make a case here. And then you look at all the other teams in that league. I mean, <laughs> you got Iowa State. I mean, you got you know even Oak State's playing for a, for a chance here. West Virginia, they have a golden opportunity if they can beat Texas Tech. They got a they take uh, Kansas in that second game if they win. And that would be a quad one win, which I think would get them in to the tournament, or if they're not already in. But uh, yeah, to your point, I think there's some very good teams here that can get top four seeds, multiple teams. Talking all things March Madness right now with former coach Scott Spinelli, former basketball head coach and basketball analyst right now, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Let's go back to K-State and what Coach Tang has been able to do. That's my guy. Uh, I was there in Central Texas when he was under Scott Drew there at Baylor, and all of a sudden he goes to K-State and turns things around. What has what has it been? What has been the secret sauce for Coach Tang, what he's been able to do there at K-State? Well, I think so lost in all of this, uh, coaching, you know, in, in college especially, I, I think is somebody that's been, who's experienced, and to your point, you know, he was a longtime assistant, and the longer you're on these benches, especially at the higher levels, um, the more you're, you're, you're ready for that opportunity. And sometimes, and in this case, it's a perfect example of when you've recruited these high major kids, you understand uh, how to you know, deal with them on the floor, off the floor, their support systems, their families, et cetera, et cetera. And Coach Tang did that for many years. I think, again, I think uh, coaching right now more than anything is all it's relationship-based coaching. You really have to understand and be able to communicate, let the kids know you care about them, not just as basketball players, but, you know, as people, as students. And I think those relationships, again, that coach 
Tang has established over his time as an assistant have paid huge dividends here uh, as a head coach. But you got to tip your hat to him uh, coming in as a first-year head coach. And the job he's done in great job. When it comes to coaching, as you're getting ramped up for the tournament, your time at A&M, you guys made the tournament a couple of times. But is it that difference? Where we're here in the NBA, hey, now it's playoff basketball. Defenses are going to tighten up. The rotations shorten up. Is it the same in college basketball once the conference tournament and the big dance comes around? Yeah, I, you cut out just for a split second. Um, but I think you mentioned about A&M, our time there. Um and I just, you cut out there for a split second. Could you just repeat that? Yeah, no problem. When it comes to when you're making the tournament and that conference tournament run, is it the same as it is in the NBA where the rotations shorten and the defense intensifies? Do you have to change up the way you play a little bit when it's time for the conference tournament and the big dance? That's a great point. Uh, for me as a coach, I think one of the things, and I think most coaches would probably agree to this, when you look at the NCAA tournament pairings, when you get matched up to a team, and to your point, we had the best four-year win total in history with the four straight tournaments, and you look up there and you see a team that you're playing, the first thing that comes to mind is matchups. How do we match up with that team? And that matchup that you have could propose different lineups or different ways to prepare as it relates to trying to you know, be the best version of yourself against that team. So much of the NCAA tournament is about matchups, and that's why what makes it so special in that you have teams that are undersized, skilled, you know, shoot the three. You have teams that are really big, they're athletic, and sometimes the matchups favor, um, you know, different, different styles of play. So um, to your point, I do think you sometimes have to keep in mind um, it's a one-game, you know, win-or-go-home type series, and you want to put your best foot forward. So you might have to adjust. Uh, your personnel, your lineups, your style, just a little bit, just in, you know, in terms of matching up with the opposition based on who you draw. Coach, before we let you go, I wanted to ask, we're out here in Vegas, so of course we're part of the Mountain West, uh, UNLV. Uh, they started out the season good, but then they went on a on a terrible drought or whatever. It just They didn't play well in conference play. Uh, but the Mountain West in general has some teams that are kind of sneaky and sneaky good that could end up in uh, in the big tournament in, uh, in March Madness. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Mountain West and, and, and what kind of chance they have to make a little bit of a run in, in the big tournament? It was funny you asked. I, I was just doing an interview. We were talking about the Mountain West. I honestly believe that this is the year that the Mountain West is going to send multiple teams. Obviously San Diego State uh, I think Utah State, uh, Boise State, and depending upon what happens here, maybe even a fourth team, whether it's a Nevada or whether New Mexico or somebody comes out of San Jose, somebody comes out and, and wins it. But what I believe to be this year's Mountain West, uh, you have multiple teams that get after it defensively, San Diego State, Boise State, um, and you have a lot of those teams have several players who shoot that three ball. Um, and I, I don't think there's a league right now um, with the experience, the versatility, talent, with as many three-point weapons team to team as the Mountain West has. These are the, these are the teams that you really worry about in the NCAA tournament in terms of playing them um, because, again, that three-point shot has changed the game and it could change the outcome in an NCAA tournament game very, very fast. So I look this year for the first time, I know we've talked Mountain West and we talk about 
you know, hey, look, sometimes the matchups don't favor, um, you know, some of these teams. But this year's Mountain West, to me, is going to put multiple teams across that are going to advance. There you go. Great stuff right there. Scott Spinelli, former Cup basketball head coach and basketball analyst right now with the Believe Podcast Network. What do you got working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for as we get ready for Selection Sunday? You know, we're just kind of right now, I've been you know traveling the world here, running these basketball combines and clinics. Nice. A lot of high school kids from around the world. And so, um, you know, I'm just gearing up right now like you guys here, um, staying connected to a lot of the players as well as, you know, breaking down a lot of video uh, with a lot, a lot of my, um, you know, uh, guys who are around me all the time and, um, yeah, colleagues. And so, yeah, I, that's really what I've been doing, guys. All right, that'll work. Well, Coach, we look forward to talking to you next week as we kind of know uh, where these different teams, where their path to the Final Four will lie. We definitely appreciate you. Look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me, okay? Absolutely. Have a good one. There he goes. Coach Scott Spinelli, again, former basketball head coach, uh, basketball analyst, does a lot of good work with the Believe Podcast Network and is traveling the world right now. Nothing wrong with that, right? Traveling the world, putting on combines, putting on little practices and everything and getting these guys in position to succeed. I like that. 4.15 is the time. Of course, we have our March Madness uh, tournament that we'll have going on. you got to go to lvsportsnetwork.com. Go ahead and put up, uh, uh, make your account right now, and then once Selection Sunday comes, then go out and fill out your bracket, and you can win a whole lot of money. That's right, a whole lot of money. Go check out LV lvsportsnetwork.com right now to check it out. Again, 416 is the time, and this is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network, also Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas, Deontay Lee from The Athletic, and Coach Scott Spinelli all have joined us so far on the show on this Monday as we kick off another week live at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, DeMond Cotton behind the wheels of steel, and I'm your boy Q, rocking with you 2 to 5 p.m. each and every day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Always blessed with the opportunity to be able to share the airwaves and talk with Raider Nation about the upcoming draft, about free agency, about the Raiders in general. So anytime that you want to be a part of the show, we do appreciate that at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I want to have a little bit of cover three, a little NFL news and notes coming up in a few minutes, but I did want to address the text message that we got on our don'tbebroke.com text line. This is coming out to 209, D&Q, like the Dairy Queen. Your guys' thoughts on Will Levis. Haven't heard you talk much about him. As I started off the show, I said that I thought – in my opinion, C.J. Stroud was quarterback number one. Bryce Young was number two. Anthony Richardson is up to number three. And I put Will Levis there at number four. And I know a lot of people are big Will Levis fans, and that's fine. That's all good. Just my opinion. He might end up being the, the Hall of Famer out of the quarterback class, for all I know. But just for my money, I'm, I'm a C.J. Stroud guy, especially after what I saw him do on Saturday. What I saw for Will Levis is kind of similar to what the reports are. He has flashes where he's really good. And then he has moments where he scratch, you make you scratch your head and say, what was that? And I saw some passes as he was talking about he was, he was throwing on Saturday because he has a rocket or a cannon and he wanted to show it off. I respect that. I love the competition in him. The fact that he wanted to be out there and show off his arm and show what he could do. And at times he threw a ball that was like, whew, that's pretty. And then there's other times he throw the ball and it's like, eh, it was just inconsistent. That's what it was. And that's what I think that you get when you look at Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I think you get inconsistencies. And nobody is perfect. None of these quarterbacks are going to go in and be, you know, day one Andrew Luck or Trevor Lawrence or any of these guys that you just know are short shot, really good quarterbacks, even like a Justin Herbert. None of these guys have it. 
But I do think that some have a little bit more of an opportunity than others. And I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are, are one and, and, and one B or whatever, one A and one B. And then there's Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I think that there's a little bit of a gap. But let's go back to what Daniel Jeremiah had to say on Friday before the combine, a little pre-combine conference call that he always has when he was talking about Will Levis. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, Josh Allen's kind of what you're hoping. Um, he's going to be there. I, I would say, you know, the evaluation part of it, if we go there first, you know, you, you start with the sacks and the turnovers. I mean, that's the that's the cause for concern. That's the flag. So you've got to you've got to navigate that and you've got to dig into that if you're a team and and talk to him and sit down and watch the tape and go through it and see if you can learn some things. Because not, not all that stuff's going to be on him. When you look at some of the turnovers, there's a good number of tip throws. When you look at the sacks, there's the offensive line wasn't very good in front of him this year, and there's some blown protection. So I'd want to sit there and go through all the sacks and all the turnovers when you sit down with him because it is a big number and it needs to be explained, but I don't think that's all on him. Um, the injury thing is another one, and I mean, I don't want to go through and try and excuse away, you know, some issues. But when I watched him, I, I didn't, you know, I did not like when he was working to the left side of the field. I thought he was closed off. I thought he threw against himself. And then I come to find out after I've watched the tape that he had a you know messed up toe, he's got a messed up shoulder, and I think that impacted that to a degree. Um, but the things that you can't refute, he's got a strong arm. He's a really good athlete, especially the year before when he's healthy. You can see him as a runner. Um, you can use him on some design quarterback run stuff as well as him just organically making things happen. Um, he's tough. He hangs in there and takes shots. Um, there are, you know, there are some times where I wish he would feel things better on the backside. Um, every time he gets hit, it's a surprise party. So I, I wish he just had a little bit better feel to get up and get away from some of those things. Um, but toughness is not an issue at all. He can make every type of throw you want. Um, but to me, it's it's digging in on some of those issues to to figure out, you know, what what the deal is with him um, and why, you know, some of those things happen in terms of the turnovers and the sacks. Other quarterbacks you try and compare him to, I mean, that's tough. As an athlete, I think there's some comparison to Ryan Tannehill when he was coming out. Um, I think you look at his frame, Dak Prescott is one. I think that's a fair comp for him. Um, same conference, same build, same toughness. Uh, the stuff on Dak, when you talk to the coaches there, you know, worker, intelligent, tough, winner, like you'll hear all those exact same things said about Will Levis. They rave about him. So, uh, you know, as I think about it, that might end up being the best comparison. So there you go. There's Daniel Jeremiah. That was his pre-combine conference call that he had when he was asked about Will Levis and kind of comparing and contrasting uh, the quarterbacks in the league. And again, the ceiling is Josh Allen. That's where you're hoping he can get to. And if he can, then you got yourself a hell of a quarterback. But if he doesn't, then you you don't. Then you're just hoping that he's a good quarterback. So again, for my money, I just don't I don't like the inconsistencies. I don't like the surprise parties, as Daniel Jeremiah said it, and you mentioned it as well, Demond, that you know the pocket awareness is something that was a big deal to you. And turnovers, a lot of turnovers. Not all his fault. I know all turnovers aren't on just the quarterback. There's a lot of reasons for that. But there's just, there's just some things that I don't think that the Raiders are a good fit. That doesn't mean that he's not a good quarterback. For my money, I just don't think he's a good fit with the Raiders. But that's just me. Yeah, and it goes to a lot of different factors to where if if he's the fourth best quarterback in this draft, that's not the worst thing to be the fourth best quarterback. And, we, and we're all saying that all these guys are going to go in the first round. But to me, it is those things. I was watching some JT O'Sullivan tape, uh, the QB school, where, you know, watching the, the tape and the breakdown of, hey, He's 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 decisive on hitting the checkdowns, but hey, all the Raider Nation out there, who else was a, a checkdown Charlie that you guys just couldn't stand? Derek Carr. Where 
I know that I've never heard this argument made for a player. His GPA, good for him. Those business degrees, I hope he uses them very well. But when it comes to seeing you on the field, I know that you're thinking GPA, he'll be able to understand the playbook. That's good if you understand the playbook, but what are you actually seeing out there on the field? And it looked like a lot of the times in college where, hey, that could have been that decisive throw there. That guy looks open, but he's not looking at that because he's going to the check down option. That's the safe option and not trying to make the easy throw and also believing in that cannon that he has where he's going to try to thread the needle. He's going to try to make that big throw because he thinks that he's got the arm talent to get any pass in there. Now, that, that doesn't mean that that won't pay off in the future. Maybe he does go on to be, like you said, the all-pro, the heir apparent. And if he is just Dak Prescott, I would I, I, I would have a, a problem. Thing, yeah, right. It's not, it's not, it's not a, bad a bad thing to be Dak Prescott. Right. But if we're going to throw those comps out there where, hey, he, he said the more accurate comp would be Dak Prescott. And let's say Cam Newton is at Anthony Richardson. At their peaks, I'd rather have Cam Newton at his best season than Dak Prescott at his best season. Oh, for sure. For just, sure. just, you know, if we're keeping the comps, yeah. you know, the ceiling that he could reach. Now, for me, I think that Josh Allen, that's too pie in the sky for me because that reach that he had, that the growth that we saw from Josh Allen of a guy who was completing 50% of his passes to now being, you know, one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the league, you you can't expect a guy, yeah, you know, he'll be terrible for maybe the first two, two and a half to three years, but eventually he'll turn it around. You can't have those expectations with the guy because it worked for somebody else in the league. Right. And the other thing about it when it comes to Will Levis is I'm looking at the Raiders at number seven and saying, okay, you're going to pick him. You're picking in the top 10. If you're picking in the top 10, your your thoughts are, and your thoughts could be wrong, but your thoughts are that you've got yourself a certified starter. No doubt about it. He's going to be a guy, and I'm not saying he has to start day one, but he's going to be a guy that you believe in is sure going to be a franchise quarterback. And again, when it comes to Levis and Richardson, both guys, not not exclusive to one, both guys, I think they need time to develop. Dane Brugler from The Athletic put out on Will Levis. Will Levis struggled to live up to expectations as a senior in 2022, but I think there are more reasons than excuses behind his inconsistent play. There is no question that he needs to see things more quickly, but he's physically built for the pro game with impressive tools, intelligence, and toughness worth developing. And I'll say this, the intelligence probably goes really well with Josh McDaniel's system because everyone has said it's not an easy system to pick up. So that's good. I mean, that plays a good role, again, just for my money, and it's only my money. I could be wrong, and believe me, plenty of Raider Nation have told me I'm wrong, and I'm okay with that, that he's, he is the guy, and maybe he is. He's been mocked to the Raiders by multiple people, including Daniel Jeremiah. So, again, just my opinion, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I'm also not a big fan of Anthony Richardson. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his athletic ability. I just don't know how his quarterback play is going to be. And I do feel if you're picking in the top 10, you better get it right. That's where I'm at. Like, you've got to get it right. And I don't know if a guy that is going to take time to develop and you're not 100% sold on being the dude for sure is the guy worth taking that shot on. Yeah, but for me, Anthony Richardson, it's just the the unknown of how high the ceiling could be for him. Where we had Jordan Reed on last week, and he mentioned the footwork. That's something that I think could be coached out. It is a little bit off-putting that, hey, maybe the mechanics aren't there. But I believe in Josh McDaniels. I think that that sometimes where, hey, it's going to be a reach. He's going to be a project. The development, well, that's where the coaches have that faith and that belief in themselves that I'm sure Josh McDaniels, he's thinking, oh, foot bad footwork, I can fix that. Trying to be a hero, you got to coach. I know it's easier said than done, but you got to coach that out of people. But I think that with Anthony Richardson, if you're going to say, hey, some footwork issues, like a, maybe a little bit of his mechanics, I think that Josh McDaniels and his staff, all the people that they're bringing in, 
I think that's something that's easily fixable if you're going to take Anthony Richardson, not including if any quarterback that they take at seven or if they decide to move up. The weapons that's going to be around said rookie quarterback, if they were to be a, a day one starter, at least see some action in their rookie season, you got Devontae Adams, you got Hunter Renfro, you got Darren Waller, and we know that we don't know the contract situation. You're going to have Josh Jacobs in the backfield. You're going to have like those nice options where you're not going into a dumpster fire of who do you want me to throw the ball to? Right. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's it's everyone's whoever, whatever your flavor of Kool-Aid you prefer. It's simple as that. At the end of the day, Kool-Aid is Kool-Aid, but there's different flavors. Some people prefer one other the other, right? I'm a Purple Source Rex guy. That's not everyone's flavor. All right? I mean, it's that simple. Some people just like, keep it simple. Grape or red. Some people like Purple Source Rex. It's the blend of purple, it's, it's a blend of, what was it, grape and lemonade? I think that was what it was. It was pretty good back in the day. I think I got it on accident one time. And I was sold after that. That's all it took, huh? That's all it took. So I think one time I thought I was getting grape, and I was really getting purple Soros Rex, and I was like, what the hell is this? But then I tried it. I was like, oh, this is great. This is greatness. Right now, every, I'm living up to every stereotype out there right now <laughs> talking about Kool-Aid. Uh, when's the last time you had Kool-Aid? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the last time I had Kool-Aid. I don't know. I mean, we don't have the picture at the house anymore. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, we're not pulling out the little packets and shaking them up and all that. <laughs> That's for sure. There's a restaurant out here, Chiba Hut. If you ever go, they do like subs. Uh-huh. But they have um, it's 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 very uh, marijuana heavy themed. Okay, the place is, and then they have Kool Aid where it's just you know like nice. oh you get your little drink, and then say yeah they got Kool Aid. There used good. to be there used to be a soul food restaurant that I used to go to in uh, in Texas that that's that was your option grape or red that was it those are the only two drinks that they had they didn't even have water right and which is funny because you have to have water to make Kool Aid but they on the menu it was basically grape or red that was it. That's my kind of restaurant. I know it is. Water's not an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 432 is the time. When we come back, we'll jump into cover three, a little NFL news and notes of the day. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Earlier today, we heard about Josh Jacobs. The Raiders officially hit him with the franchise tag. That's a non-exclusive tag. It's $10.9 million. Also, running back Tony Pollard from the Cowboys, who actually tore his ACL last year, he also got hit with the franchise tag uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. So both guys, uh, once they sign the deal, $10.09 million will be their fully guaranteed deal for one year. Now, with that being said, that doesn't mean that they're going to have to play on that. Uh, They might not even uh, have to sign their franchise tag because all that is is a placeholder. Right, of course, the the deadline to place the franchise tag is tomorrow at one p.m. So they had to get it done as uh, as kind of uh, just a routine. Uh, basically, uh, like I said, it's a placeholder they have till the middle of July to go ahead and get a long term deal done. If they do, great. If they don't, then those guys will be forced to play one year, ten million dollars fully guaranteed, which is not a bad deal. Uh, the Raiders, if they had picked up Josh Jacobs' fifth year option, it would have been eight million dollars. So he gets a two million dollar bump. Uh, I know that nobody's uh, a big fan of the franchise tag, but ten million dollars guaranteed isn't too bad, and again, it gives the Raiders an opportunity to still work on a a long-term deal with Josh Jacobs. But Tony Pollard also got hit with the franchise tag. Uh, Another guy who might get franchise tag, Daniel Jones. Uh, He's the quarterback for the Giants. They're actually working on a deal, and it sounds like they're getting a little bit closer. Uh, This note came from Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network, possible good sign for the Giants at Daniel Jones. Sources say Jones agents are traveling to Jersey today to meet with the Giants in person after talking many times at the scouting combine a little more than a day ago before the franchise tag, a little bit more than a day to go before the franchise tag deadline, still time. So Daniel Jones and company are trying to get a deal done. 
uh, a long-term deal done with the Giants. But if it doesn't happen, and if you remember, he was trying to get $45 million a year. Don't think that that's going to happen. Based off what Derek Carr got from the Saints, about $37 million uh, a year. If if the money and the incentives all kick in, really there's a lot of back-end money on Derek Carr's contract. But uh, you know, I don't really need to break it all down. But the way you look at it is Daniel Jones is not going to get as much as he wanted to at $45 million, and he shouldn't. I mean, based off of one year of success, he shouldn't get $45 million. That's absolutely ridiculous. We talked about it last week at the Combine. But he'll probably end up around $37, $38 million. Even that's too high. He's only thrown for more than 20 touchdown passes once. Right. Once! So I'm saying, one year of success. One year of success. That was his rookie year. (laughs) So technically, if you just look at the passing numbers, no wins or losses, he's regressed. Right. I I mean, he, he, he played better. For the Giants last year, you know, he gave him chances to win games. You can see that Brian Dayball, you know, got something out of him. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's just – he's not all that, right? And so I definitely would not be breaking the bank for one Daniel Jones, and I'm sure the G-Man won't either. Uh, earlier today we found out about Geno Smith. I think that'll also take a little bit of a hit to what Daniel Jones is asking for. Three years, a hundred what $2 million uh, with about $52 million in the first year. Uh, that's about right. That's, that should be around Daniel Jones' money too because Geno Smith has done it for how many years? One. How many years has Daniel Jones done it? One. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it, apples to apples, those guys should be getting paid just about the same amount of money. So, again, I don't want to count a guy's pockets, but you know that everything is not created equal, and there's no way that Geno Smith should be making $45 million a year, and there's no way that Daniel Jones should be making $45 million a year. So I don't think either one of those is going to happen. Now, going back to Josh Jacobs real quick, I had plenty of people hit me up and say, well, is it an exclusive or non-exclusive franchise tag? No, it's a non-exclusive. And if somebody makes a deal with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders don't match it, they'll get two first-round draft picks in return. I don't see, and I guess I shouldn't say that no team's going to do it, I don't see any of the other 31 teams in the league giving up two first-round draft picks for a, a running back. I just don't see it. Even as good as Josh Jacobs is, I don't see a team saying, yeah, you know what, let's go ahead and give up two first-round draft picks. Hell, I don't know if you saw it, but Derrick Henry is on the blocks. So, I mean, again... If you're a team, as, as I've had people argue with me and say, well, if a team is close, then why not go give up two first-round picks for Josh Jacobs? If you're a team that's close and you feel like you can make a straight-up trade for Derrick Henry or give up two first-round picks and sign Josh Jacobs to a, a long-term deal, what are you going to do? I think most likely you're probably going to make the trade for Derrick Henry first because in the long run it's going to cost you less, less draft capital and less, uh, less money in the long run, so, uh, and which is also going back to the value of running backs which I hate. I hate it for running backs in the league. But there was just a minute ago where we were talking about Derrick Henry being the dude, and he's going to be the dude for a very long time. Now all of a sudden, DeMond, as you know, as a Tennessee Titan fan, he's on the trade blocks. Yeah, but come on. Who really put out that report? Come on. let's, let's Look, man, in Indy, business happens. I don't care if Mike Silver puts it out or Silver Mike puts it out. It does not matter. I'm telling you right now, business happens. And when you get into the combine and you get down there, and you're out there at prime at 1.45 or 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever the case may be, loose lips sink ships, brother. There's conversations that are going on about everybody out there. I'm getting everybody's taking calls. Everybody's talking. You know, moving and shaking's going on, but I don't think he's going anywhere. He might not. I don't think he's going anywhere. But for his name to be in the blocks already lets you know. Let you know what the, the, the life expectancy of a running back is. If they're looking to try to clean up their cap, and one way they're looking at doing it is moving their best player, Two years in a row? Okay, you didn't think A.J. Brown was getting traded last year either, did you? Whew, you got me there. All right. You got me there. I'm just saying, that was their best weapon on offense as far as wide receivers go. He's their best weapon on offense, period, as far as I'm concerned. 
And now two years in a row, their the best player may be on the move. Now, he might not be. But, again, he's out there. So if you have the option to trade for Derrick Henry, if available, or Josh Jacobs and have to give up two first-round picks and give him the bag, which one are you going to do as a team? You just made me mad at Ryan Tannehill. That's whose fault this really is. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. Speaking of the Tennessee Titans, how about them and Jeffrey Simmons? They're working on a long-term deal. That's a positive. He's a hell of a player. First-round pick in 2019. He's had 16 sacks and 30 quarterback hits the past two seasons combined. So, as I said, they're also shopping Derrick Henry. How about the Rams? You want to talk about a team that's active. They won that, they won that Lombardi and said, all right, everything is for sale. They've given wide receiver Allen Robinson's agents permission to seek a trade. They're willing to pay a portion of his $15.25 million guaranteed salary to facilitate a deal. Robinson's still only 29 years old. You want to talk about something. How did that go wrong? He was in Chicago with me and you as the quarterback and thriving. He goes to L.A. and all of a sudden it's like, where is Allen Robinson? Does this dude even still exist? That just went terribly wrong. Also, as far as the Rams go, they're expected to release outside linebacker Leonard Floyd if they can't trade him. Floyd has had uh, at least nine sacks in each of the past three seasons. Bobby Wagner, you already know he's on the way out the door. Jalen Ramsey's is on the block. So, I mean, they're like, hey, is there anybody over here that you like? (laughs) (laughs) Anybody you see on this roster wearing these colors, do you want them? It's like they're having a garage sale. And what do they say in the commercials? If it's in the yard, it's for sale. Aaron Donald and uh, Matt Stafford, that's all they're running it back with. And, and who says, and who knows about Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford is so banged up and got injuries, and I still think Baker Mayfield returning to L.A. makes a lot of sense. I don't, I'm not convinced that, that uh, Stafford's going to be there next year. I, I really am not, but we'll see. But uh, there, it's just crazy how, how everything has just it's gone from the penthouse to the outhouse when it comes to the Rams. But they do have that Lombardi, so they can always – Hold their head up high on that. How about a couple of injuries coming out the combine? USC offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees, he, had a, uh, he suffered a torn ACL during combine drills on Sunday. He was expected to be a top 100 pick in the 2023 draft. Every year there's always a combine injury or a pro day injury. This is a combine injury that's going to keep Andrew Voorhees out the whole 2023 season. Stinks for him. I have no idea where he's going to drop in the draft, but I just hate to see guys get injured, especially before they get contracts. Also, former Tennessee and Oklahoma offensive lineman Wanye Morris, he suffered a lower body injury while competing in the 40-yard dash, and he's going to be out about three to four weeks uh, as that recovers. So a couple injuries coming out of the combine. But as you know, Damon, football happens every year. It's a, it's a pro day injury. Someone gets hurt. Their Achilles pops. Their ACL. T- I mean, something always happens every year. So this is, happens to be combine injuries, but you know, cross your fingers because pro days injuries are, are bound to happen as well. Yeah, that's why you said oh, you can only cross your fingers when these things happen because I know people say, oh, you're, you get hurt before the draft, but you're, work, you're constantly working out before the draft. The only thing that's different is cameras are around to see it when it's at the pro day or the combine because, like you said, football happens. This can happen anytime you're working yep, out. And I, you're leading up to the draft. You're working, 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 constantly working on your game. And to be honest, when it comes to running the 40 for off offensive lineman if you don't want to do it don't do it but I'm not going to say that it's indicative of how good of an offensive lineman that you're going to be but if you do look at some of the best tackles in the league right now you go back to their 40 times and it and it matches up a little bit I'm not saying it's a one-to-one indicator of success but if you look at some offensive linemen that had some pretty good 40 times at the tackle spot it's like, hey, man, they were, they were a little fast. Do you need to run 40 yards in a game? Of course not. But if you're supposed to be a superior athlete, why can't you? Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And, again, they, these things just happen. 
randomly. I mean, they, it just you, you can't help it. They're NFL injuries, and they happen. Sometimes they happen when you have a contract. Sometimes they happen before. But obviously, these guys will get drafted. Uh, their draft stock may may you know drop a little bit, but they'll get drafted and and you know be on their team and work their way back to recovery. Uh, the Bears at number one. Uh, the Bears have made the decision to keep Justin Field as their quarterback, and we traded the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. That's from Peter King. He's talked to GM Ryan Poles uh, of the, uh, the uh, Bears. He said it's clear he's not trading Fields and he's not picking a quarterback high in this draft. So look for Chicago to do everything possible to get out of that number one spot. So that's where it gets interesting. Who's going to move up to one? Is it going to be the Colts sitting there at number four? Is it the Texans sitting there at number two? You know, who's going to move up to try to go get quarterback one? And then who's going to be left, right? Is it going to be Bryce Young go number one? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud go number one? Anthony Richardson, is someone going to fall in love with him? Will Levis? I mean, you have no idea. But clearly a quarterback's going to go number one overall. We just don't know which one it's going to be. I really have faith. Speaking for the Texans, I think they'll be good if they just stand pat because I still think that they'll be able to get their guy. Because if the Colts move up, I do think that Jim Irsay He's going to try to jump on Will Levis. I think that's who the Colts guy is. I don't. No one's told me this. I'm not sourced up. But I do think that if the Colts make that trade up to number one, they're going to be taking Will Levis. Why, why do you think that? Because I just expect Jim Irsay to make the wrong move. <laughs> that, you're, you're like, what, why does, what is my gut telling me? Right. Jim Irsay is going to make the wrong move. And I think that Will Levis would be the wrong move at number one. So ipso facto. That's who they're going to take because it's going to be the wrong move. Fair enough. Fair enough. There it is. DeMond speaks. Uh, how about the Cardinals? They're releasing Rodney Hudson and Robbie Anderson, a.k.a. Chosen Anderson. I did not real, realize that Robbie Anderson changed his name to Chosen. But uh, there you go. Robbie Anderson is now Chosen Anderson. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, the Cardinals are expected to move on from center Rodney Hudson and wide receiver Robbie Anderson. Hudson had previously reduced his salary to $2 million, which often indicates he's going to retire. He'll decide on his future soon. Meanwhile, Anderson's relief will save $12 million against the cap. So uh, the Cardinals, and that's been expected. We've been hearing rumblings of Rodney Hudson uh, potentially retiring. Uh, most likely that's going to happen. And, uh, and then Robbie Anderson will be out there on the street as a free agent. Somebody will sign him. I'm not a big Anthony, uh, a big uh, Robbie Anderson guy. I'm just not. I never have been. He just seems to be like the guy. Like you know, he has a lot of talent, but you just, I feel like you just don't know what you're going to get with him, game in and game out. I don't even know if he's going to show up to practice, and that's not because he doesn't show up to practice. It just seems like he just seems like he's he's just a different dude, right? It just kind of seems like he's got his own. His own methods to the madness. Let's put it like that. I remember Matt Rule coached him up at Temple and saying he had mentioned multiple times that he's a different dude, which is fine. It just seems he just seems like he just has the you know his own his own beat in his own mind going at all times. His own drum is beating, and he's just it's like I don't know I don't know what you're gonna get out of him. I, I've never been a big fan of Robbie Anderson. Rodney Hudson, do you think he he comes back here for a, no. The, no the one day contract type Uh-oh. deal? Excuse me, let me finish. The, the, just like just like the one day contract celebratory retires a Raider deal. I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, yeah. but just you know, like the nice ceremonial, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. You know what they always do. I don't get the point of signing the one day contract with a team to retire. But do you think I he mean, does I th- that with the Raiders? I think if you're a, if you're a dude, right? If you were a legend. Like when Tim Brown went to the Buccaneers and then he came back, to, you know, signed the one-day mm-hmm. deal. And Tim Brown's a dude. Rodney Hudson was a damn good player, but he was Rodney Hudson, right? I mean, seriously, like he's not a he's not a Hall of Famer. He's just a really good player. You know, when Jerry Rice did the same thing, went back to San Francisco 49ers, that made sense. You know, some of these guys to to go back and sign a one a one year, a day deal or whatever like that. It's just like eh, whatever. I mean, if it's if it's what they want to do, that's cool. If the organization wants to do it, that's cool. But. To me, you know, some of these things is like not a big deal. I don't think anyone's gonna, you know, do backflips when they're like, "Oh, 
Rodney Hudson, he returned for one day to sign as a Raider. Like, eh, whatever. It is what it is. You know, it's just a business. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just desensitized. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm no, like, geez. I just don't think it's a big deal. You know, like, it's to me, it's just not really that big a deal. It's just a ceremonial. This guy gave his career to the organization that you're a fan of, and it's just give him his flowers for a day. I mean, I think they gave him his flowers. They gave him a whole lot of money while he was playing. Like, none of this stuff was done for free. That's what the money's for, Q Myers. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, at the end of the day, man, when it's all said and done, unless I'm a Hall of Famer or I'm someone that, you know, changed the game for the organization, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's just, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's a blessing that he's, he played as long as he did. It's a blessing that he was in one place as long as he was. I mean, I think that that should be flowers enough. Like, you ain't got to sign me back for one day for anything. Just I appreciate the fact that you had me around as long as you had me around. I'm good. Like, I'll, I'll always be appreciative to the organization, but that's it. That's just how I look at it. I just don't think it's that big a deal. <laughs> Someone's like, yeah, Q's cold. <laughs> I'm serious. I just, again, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, none of these guys, you know, work for free. So, you know, they, 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 they did get well compensated. And even when they have a contract reduced, like like Rodney Hudson's had his contract reduced a couple times, he's still making a pretty good coin. So there's there's that. But, you know, that's just the cold side, I guess, of the business. That's just what I think. <laughs> cold man. Woo. Not really. I, man, I, man, I know when I get, when you fire me, I know it's going to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> why you say, why I got to fire you? <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm expecting it now. All right, DeMond, get your stuff, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, when we tell you to get your stuff and get up out of here, hopefully it's because you got a job somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, we paid you well. What are you looking for? <laughs> Won't even ask for the handshake. <laughs> I'll just turn and leave. Man. Look, let's put it like this. When I left Central Texas, dog, I was there 10 years. I was there, well, I started on ESPN Central Texas in 2021. Or no, tw- 2012, excuse me, and I left in 2021. I was there that whole time, and I didn't even say nothing. Until the last day, of the last show I ever did is when I first said, all right, this is my last show. I didn't do any lead up to it like, oh, man, two weeks and I'm out of here. Or none of that stuff, man. It was last day. Hey, we're doing the show from walk-ons. Uh, I'm having a going away party. Uh, drinks and stuff are on me. Come on by and celebrate. Thank you for having me for the last 10 years. I'm out. That was how it went, right? That was it. And, and I went up to the owner, gave him a handshake, and was like, I'm out. Appreciate everything. Thanks for keeping me around. I know you didn't like me all the time, but thanks for keeping me around, and I'm out. And he was like, cool. And that was it. It was nothing, I don't know. It's just not, nothing that big a deal. But would you, have, would you have wanted the pomp and circumstance? No. I wouldn't want any of that. Because it turns into bad radio, first of all. Right? If you go, oh, the today's, or I got two weeks left, or I'm leaving to go to Las Vegas in two weeks, then people call in and the, oh, man, we're going to miss you. No, you won't. Like, you'll miss me for like a day. And then someone else will come in and they'll fill the void and they'll be fine. I tell people all the time, people think they're irreplaceable. They're not. Right? They're not. It might not be the same as, as the next guy, but when someone replaces me, it's going to be like, all right, the show still goes on. What I tell you about the movies all the time? If you go to the movie theater and nobody buys a ticket, is the movie still playing? Yep. <laughs> it's still playing. It's reality. Just reality. The quicker that people realize reality, and I had to learn real quick, man. <laughs> I had to learn real quick in the game. Once I realized what that reality was, is that you are uh, you are replaceable, no matter how good you think you are. That's that's when that's when you know that's when you understand what's really going on. Got me rethinking that vacation request. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I mean, like I said, you know, everyone's allowed to go on vacation. I just never did when I was growing up coming in the game because I didn't want anyone to take my spot. But I think you're all right. 
Now, Enrique, young Enrique, who was here checking out the boards, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's waiting for you to go on vacation. He's like, I can't wait till DeMond goes. Because once he does, I'm going to go take his spot. And then, and then while he's gone, remember, hey, Q, remember when DeMond came in late? <laughs> remember that time when he did this, that, it? No, I'm kidding. He ain't going to do that. Uh, Enrique's a good dude. But that's how it was back in the day. I'll tell you right now, man, this dude Felix went on vacation. I, I could tell you, I remember the day. He went on vacation and I was a. Because you were scheming. I, no, I wasn't, I wasn't scheming, but I was, I was working really hard to get a full time gig. And my boss said, hey, can you fill in afternoons this afternoon uh, or this week for uh, Felix? I was like, hell yeah, I can. Felix called me on Wednesday and was like, I'm going to need you to tone it on down a little bit because you're doing the show too well. I think you're going to take my job. And I said, well, you better hustle on back, brother. I got two more days of this. <laughs> I'm about to change the game. Let's go. <laughs> That's how it is, man. But a fun, fun, fun first day. Uh, thanks so much for being back. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line and also uh, our phone line at 702-365-9200. Make sure you're waking up with Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bostadur. Uh They'll do it 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. They'll talk about Josh Jacobs. They'll talk about further quarterbacks. They'll talk about building the Raiders roster as that's what we all know they need to do. Have a great evening. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone. As we always do, it's Raider Nation Radio 920.